This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning, church. I hope you guys are having a great morning. Wanted to let you know that as as things start to calm down and um, we enter into the different phases projected of things going back to normal, we're engaged in that process with what the governor is recommending, and we're going to want to be get, gathering together as soon as possible, so we don't want to do it prematurely, but I wanted to give you the good news that we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to seeing you in person, and we know that it's going to be a blessed time to gather together. We're also going to have things set up, clean, sanitized, and ready to go forward, and it's just going to be a sweet time that we, when we get to be back together. We're going to be continuing in our three-part series that we've been going through uh, over the last few Sundays. And the title of the series is Ears to Hear. And, and this parabolic section of Matthew that Jesus has been teaching through, he's been teaching the people in parables and each section has had a, a, a focus and there's been three different sections. The first message was undivided attention. And, it, and the, the heart behind that message that Jesus was teaching in parables is that God's word is going to go out. And we've seen God's word going out in a way that is unprecedented that we've ever seen before. So God's word is going to go out. And according to his word, his word does not return void. So that's very exciting for us because we're expecting that as God's word is going out, that it's going to produce what he wants it to produce. And if the word falls on good soil, it's going to produce an abundance of fruit for God's glory and for the glory of his kingdom. That was a few weeks ago that we had that message Last week's message, message was sowing corruption, question mark. And the idea behind that was that whatever God comes in, in, in genuineness and authenticity, Satan comes in to corrupt. He comes to disenfranchise. He comes to offer something that's not legitimate, not real. That, that's a lie. He's the father of lies. And we saw last week that, that the Lord says, let those things grow together. And at the time of the end, the separation will happen. The fruit that's born to God's account will be put in the storehouses and the weeds that were planted, the corruption that was intended by the enemy is going to be thrown into the fire and, and burn. Today's message is the third part of our series, Ears to Hear. And the title of today's message is interesting. It's investment opportunity. And the reason that I titled the message this way is because we have a evaluation system that we work on. Each and every single one of us, we, we, we have priorities. We will say priorities in these list of priorities. Number one is the most important. Then we have these things that we give ourselves to, we give our attention to, we give our resources to. And, and this valuation system is radically challenged when the, the kingdom of God is presented by Jesus. Jesus, and it should be something that makes us question or consider what that valuation system looks like for us. Now, I'm sure maybe from one time or another, you've written down a list of your priorities. I hope that if you haven't, you would take this moment or over the next few hours after this message to jot down a list of the things that you value most to the you value least, a list of priorities that you'll give yourself to more intentionally 
And sometimes you can find that you give yourselves to things that you think have value, but in reality have very little value. And to talk about value, um, we had a question and answer uh, last Tuesday with our worship leader, Keenan Fitzgerald, and he said something that, was, that still stuck with me and I'm still considering. In worship, uh, one of the expressions of worship is how much we value God. And if God is in that valuation system that we have, he should be at the top of our list of priorities. That doesn't really come to any surprise to any of us. It's a good reminder, but it's a good reminder because sometimes we take God and we place him in a different place in our valuation system, in our list of priorities. Again, I guess, speaking of value, there's a lot of people right now, you and I both know, that are struggling to make ends meet. People have lost their jobs, filing for unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. And they're hurting right now. There's people on the other side of the spectrum. I've had people talk to me and say, uh, a, a handful of people say, this is an a, a amazing opportunity for investment. And for me, I'm torn between two worlds here. I'm listening to my brothers and sisters who are struggling to make ends meet. And then I'm also talking to friends that I'm close to that say, you know, we don't really have a lack. In fact, this is a great opportunity for investment for the future. And I say, why can't both sides be true? Even in difficulty and struggling, why can't we be reevaluating our current condition to project for the future for the most return. Now, maybe you're not thinking along the same lines that I am, financial or physical beneficial return, or on the other side for them. But like we've talked about from the beginning, what about the spiritual side of things? What about the spiritual return that we can get? Another thing that I've heard people saying a lot lately is that, that uh, we're never going to look the same again. I don't know if you've heard people talking about that, but you've, I've seen uh, uh, the headlines and people talking about how things are never going to be the same. And you know what my response to that would be? And I hope most of us, I hope it doesn't look the same. Because this is a great opportunity to reevaluate and to take things that shouldn't have value and put them out of our lives and take things that have the most value and invest into those things for greater return. Amen. That is really what my heart is before God. It's a per when when you are forced to stop everything, when you're forced to reevaluate your whole life and and everything that you believe before because of the current conditions that we live in, we had better hope that we end up on the other side in a better place than than going into it. And this is one of those things that I said before that, that what the enemy intended for evil, the Lord intends for good. He means for good. But if we get stuck into the lie of the enemy, that the negative side of never, things are never going to be the same, instead of the positive side of things are never going to be the same, then we'll get stuck in the cyclical nature of us wanting to be in control and doing the best we can, but it never happening because you never know what to expect. Instead of the other side of it, we don't know what to expect, 
for tomorrow, but we trust, we know, and we are confident that God does. And we are confident that we are, when we are invested in his kingdom, when we are invested in what, what his will is, what his purposes are, then things are always going to be good. This is how we can rejoice in tribulation. Somebody asked me one time, how do I rejoice in tribulation? Knowing that tomorrow God holds in the palm of his hand and things are going to be better then than they are today. Not based on what I say is better, not based on what I think is better, but based on what I know God says is better and that I've submitted myself to. This is an this is a incredible investment opportunity into the best things that God has for us. Before we get into the word this morning, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the perspective that we can have because you are so good. We don't serve a distant God. We don't serve a vengeful God. We don't serve an uncertain God. We serve the Almighty all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. And because of this relationship that we have with you, we can come away with such sure confidence, knowing what our valuation system looks like today, making those adjustments so that we can see the glory of your kingdom come to pass on earth as it is in heaven. That is our hearts, Lord. Help us to take inventory of the things that need to be addressed so that we can partake of the glory that you've preordained for us to partake in. Father, we pray that you bless your word today. We thank you for our worship team that is faithful to come and to sing these worship songs. And and though it's not the same in our living rooms as, as it is in the sanctuary, our hearts want to be those people who worship you in spirit and in truth. No matter where we are, not any geographical location, Father, but from our hearts we worship you in spirit and in truth. And continuing steadfastly, day by day, week by week, in the study of your word, allowing it to move us, to convict us, to challenge us, to correct us, so that we can grow in our faith, so that we can grow spiritually into the people you've called us to be. And Father, we pray for the tithes and offerings that that continue to faithfully come in to you. And as an act of worship, Father, we pray that you bless all of those people who are faithfully being obedient to continue to sow into your kingdom the way that you've called us to. We pray that you bless your word today, Father. We pray for the time that we're going to have in communion afterwards. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. That's a good reminder before we get into Matthew chapter 13 that we are going to receive the elements of communion today. So if you can have something to represent the body of Christ and and a drink to represent the blood, we're going to go through like we normally do the, the, the new and everlasting covenant at the end and have that time to partake and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes afterwards. But until then, let's look at Matthew chapter 13 
And we have these three examples, two parables, really, I would say three, that point us to this investment opportunity. First and foremost, if you're taking notes, I hope you are, first and foremost, that Jesus took, that God took an investment opportunity that he saw first before he gives us the opportunity to respond to him as well. Let's look in chapter 13, verse 44. Remember last week I told you that the corruption part of the parabolic uh, pieces of Matthew were a little difficult? This is the glorious part of the parabolic section. Encouraging good news. Verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys a field. Now, I don't know about you, but throughout, you know, my, my childhood, I grew up in, in the middle of the desert and, and we'd go to different places. And I was always uh, curious about what was unseen in, in the desert deepness of the bushes under the sand the dirt and they're they're the potential of treasures and then you know that there's this 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 thought of of in times past in history there are these these ships full of gold that were taken and and buried treasure was there and we have treasure maps and and we're on this 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 hunt to go find this buried treasure. And then we have this example in Scripture of Jesus talking about a man. And I want you to take note of this, of our three points this morning. Look at this, a man found. Each one of these people is going to be different. This is a guy. What's the context of this guy? We don't know. Who is he? We're not sure. Was he looking for the treasure? Did he stumble across it? Some people would say that this is something that, that wouldn't happen in a thousand lifetimes, that somebody would stumble across this exceedingly great treasure. But what's the response? As soon as the treasure's revealed, then whoever owns that land says, well, thanks for finding my treasure. Now give it to me. So instead of revealing the treasure, it says that this man, he, he, he finds it hidden in a field and, and he goes and he, he, he leaves it hidden. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So he's not just buying the land, but he's actually buying the treasure in the land. Now, this would come at great cost to him. He sells all that he has. He doesn't sell most of what he has. He doesn't sell enough of what he has. He sells everything he has because the treasure is so incredibly valuable. And this is what we might have a tendency to say or see in this part of the parable. We might have the tendency to put us in the place of that man and say we are the ones who stumble across the gospel, who stumble across the kingdom of God, and we're to forsake everything else to get it. But that's not the initial heart behind this parable that Jesus is telling. The man that finds a treasure isn't you or I. It's no other than Jesus Christ. He came as a man, and he surveyed, and he identified a people that he wanted to call his own. And it was going to cost a great cost to get them. In fact, it was going to cost him everything he had. And not just every physical thing, but even his own life. 
that he was going to lay down. And you and I both know we've talked about it many times in the past. Then in the garden of Gethsemane, right before he goes to the cross, he cries out to the father and he says, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Guess what, gang? You and I both know that there wasn't any other way. That it was going to cost Jesus everything for this treasure. Now, it might sound weird. It might sound different because we can identify, especially now, we can identify with the level of depravity of humanity. But when God looked down and saw his people, when he looked down and saw the future that would be his church, he saw a great value. And he said, I'm going to do what it takes I'm going to give everything for the cost that I can retain this treasure of great value. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I have it on your screen for you if you don't want to turn there. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. Now here's the twofer. The one for is that God saw the treasure that was in humankind and he pursued us and he paid the ultimate price to gain us, to redeem us, to buy us. And then our responsibility is also to see that in him doing that, our response is desiring to have a relationship with him. And by desiring to have a relationship with him, he gives us knowledge and understanding and discernment like those verses talked about. The treasure's value is great. As much as God looked and saw the value in us as his treasure, we are to respond to look at the value in him and having a relationship with him and engaging him because of his great value. I don't know if you guys have seen the TV show. I, you know, I, I didn't grow up watching much TV, but I like these documentaries and there's this show called the curse of oak island and the curse of oak island is these people who have given everything they've they've given their whole retirement and their lives to searching for this treasure on an island off the coast of maine or somewhere on the east coast and they, they, they have cranes and drills and they spend all this money to find this buried treasure. And it's a very popular show and it's gone season to season because they, they find little pieces of the treasure, but they don't find the big catch. They don't find the, the, the thing that they're really looking for. And they keep looking and they keep looking. And the, the title of the show is The Curse of Oak Island because it's, it's referred to as the money pit. How much money has been spent looking for this treasure that they wonder if it's even there. And the ironic thing for me when I look at those kinds of situations is how many people I know, how many people I've seen over the years that have spent so much looking for the treasure. They've invested so much into what they thought was going to give them answers what they thought was going to give them value, 
what they thought was going to, to give them happiness. And it ends up being a money pit because there's no treasure to be found. And it ends up being more of an identifier, more of an identification of the curse than the blessings. So I'd like to change the title if we were to do our own show. It wouldn't be the curse of the kingdom of heaven or the curse of Oak Island. It would be the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. That's what the expectation is for the treasure that we've received. You know, what does the word bless mean? Say it. Another translation, another way you can say it. Happy. The happiness of the kingdom of heaven. The satisfaction, the things that we've received of this great treasure that we were first sought after as being valuable to God. The second proverb or, or uh, parable that we're looking at here starts in verse 45. And he says again, he says this three times. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he found one, the pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, this person is different, isn't it? I want to focus on three different kinds of people. The first was who? A man found. The second was who? A merchant was searching. This is a man who is a businessman. He's looking for something that's going to turn him a profit. And he's different than the man in the field because kind of like as we talked about with the first guy, he maybe has stumbled across it. He maybe was looking for it. It wasn't something that maybe he knew that he would come across or, or could project in the future. But this merchant, this businessman was searching for it. He was seeking. He said, I know that that Pearl, and pearls were very highly valued at this time. I know that that pearl's out there, and he was searching and looking for it. And again, we can take this merchant, and instead of uh, conveniently on the front end aligning ourselves with this merchant, it has to be Jesus, first and foremost, saying, I know that there's a pearl. I know that there's this, this incredible valued piece of benefit for me, whatever, you know. And, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to look for it. I'm going to search for it till I find it. And when he finds it, everything else is given up. This guy also, the merchant, he sells everything that he has as a, as a shrewd businessman and puts all of what he has, all of his investment in purchasing this great pearl of great price to have for himself. I don't want to be redundant, but this is the heart behind the gospel. No matter what anybody has to say, God did pursue you. God is pursuing you. God, before anything else, before anybody has anything else to say, saw in you something precious that he was willing to pay a price for. Now the response by us as being citizens of his kingdom, being ushered in, being brought into the goodness of God, 
and recognizing how he views us and the, and the good things that he has in store for his treasures. Does anybody want bad things for their kids? Does anybody hope that they don't succeed in life? Do, do we try to make it as difficult as possible? Do, do we think, I, this is a competition and, and I'm the patriarch of my family and none of my kids are going to come close to how incredibly great I am? No, I pray and I hope that my kids would be much more incredibly blessed than I am. That I set them up on a launching pad for, for success. And when I say success, I don't just mean success on, on a physical level in this world. I pray for my kids all the time on the spiritual level. They'll far exceed the things that they are able to do for the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of God than I ever came close to. I think of Billy Graham. And I look at his son now and the legacy. And I don't know about you, but when I look at Franklin Graham, I, I really, and, and uh, maybe this is not very nice of me, but, but I don't really see Franklin Graham. I see a legacy of Billy Graham who poured into his child for this thing of great value, the kingdom of heaven. And the return that comes from that investment. The return is great for the father. The fruit will abound to his glory. The, the, the fruit is therefore the price that Jesus paid. But we also get to partake in the glory of God by being ushered in, brought in as citizens to his kingdom and responding in like fashion, responding the same kind of way. And, and I have to say that, that if it costed God something, if it costed God through Jesus Christ something, then let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that it's not going to cost us anything. Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 20, uh, 33, we have on your screen for you. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still great a way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, that's a, that's a direct parallel to the price that Jesus paid. And for us to consider our investment opportunities at this time, you also have seen the news articles or you've heard people talking about how there's people out there right now that are doing fine. They're doing well and they're taking advantage of people who are not doing so well so that they can greater benefit from um, the things that are happening. I think this, this is a very sad situation and people shouldn't be looking at 
investing for their future and, and, and hoarding or taking things from somebody else that could benefit them. But this is not what the kingdom of heaven, this is not what the kingdom of God looks like. This is me considering the cost of placing the kingdom of God as number one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. That's the valuation system of the kingdom of God. That's our investment opportunity. God is number one. The kingdom of God is number one. Our citizenship is at the top of the list. And when that's what our investing looks like in our lives, everything else is going to take care of itself. Not in a flippant, non-responsible way, but in a trust and assurance in God that he's going to do it because he said he was going to. And it's going to cost something. It's going to cost you and I something to have the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God as the number one priority in our lives and not the number two priority and not the number three priority or fifth or sixth and saying these things are more important because they have more of a direct connection or or something is can happen because if I don't address these things, no, be rest assured that if the kingdom of God is a number one, that's your number one investment opportunity and that's what you're pouring your life through and into, all of those other things are going to be aligned. All of those other things are, be, are going to be taken care of, are going to be blessed. Your, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your children's, your children's, <laughs> your children, your, your job, your career, your finances, your, your bills. And it's going to cost something. It's always easier to look at the short-term return and say, I have to address this now. And, and I'm sorry that, that it, it, it can sound a little vague because there are specific things that we could talk about that we can do that puts other things in place of the kingdom of God. But when we do focus on God's kingdom as number one, and that's where we're investing, then the returns are long-term and they're guaranteed. How many of you would take an investment opportunity that has a 5% yield? That's not a bad return, 5%. How about 10%? That's pretty good. If you go anywhere north of 10%, you're sitting pretty for a return. How about this? The cost is great, was great for God through his son Jesus Christ to get you. But when we look at the cost for us to be his disciples and we place that in number one in our lives, there may be a cost, but the return is 100%. Hey, would you say with me, if you're following along with undivided attention, 100%? That's the return. On the spiritual level, first and foremost, the growth is going to be undeniable. And if you don't believe me, because it's coming from me, I have a, a, a phone book of people that I can refer you to that will give you specific examples of the return of investing in God and his kingdom as number one and what that looks like for, for themselves personally, their families, and their future. The pearl of great price. Who God, seeing us, sold everything. Everything that I thought was valuable before. 
to purchase it, to have for myself. And then we have the third example in verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it was, so it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace to fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, have you understood these things? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. There's an accounting that takes place that if we're considering these words that Jesus is speaking to us about investment, the house, the, the householder or the, the person that's in charge of the household will will bear witness of the greatness of God and, and, and the return that is to be had. The new things, the exciting new things, and the old things that maybe we'd forgotten about. I was talking to a householder this past week. Somebody that's been an, account, uh, an accountant for a gentleman who's a friend of mine for the last 20 years. And he said, I haven't looked at some of this stuff this is like a direct illustration. He said, I haven't looked at some of this stuff since I first started working for this man Tw some 20 years ago. He didn't realize the value that, that this purchase had that was made 20 years ago. And now here it is. The new things that come from the investing and the old things that have been there but now are being revealed. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. Now before we move on, let's talk about the dragnet. This has also been something that's always really intrigued me. Being on boats on the water, whether it be a lake or whether it be the ocean, I've always kind of been really curious about what kind of things we could bring up from the bottom. What kind of things have been hidden for generations? What kind of treasures and, and there's this great dragnet and the mystery is revealed after the dragnet is put in and everything's brought up and the good is going to be separated and kept and the bad is going to be thrown away. We were at a lake fishing a couple years ago and there's this dock on this lake that goes out at least a hundred or a couple hundred feet into the lake. It's a very long dock, a bridge that goes out. And there was this guy as I was standing on the shore of the lake fishing with my kids, there was this guy that had this rope. And on the end of the rope, he had a huge, huge magnet. And he was taking this magnet, he was throwing it out as far as he can and he was letting it sink to the bottom with the rope. And then after it sank to the bottom, he was pulling the magnet back up. And each time, I was shocked to see, each time he pulled the magnet back up to the top, there was something stuck to the bottom of the magnet. Old fishing poles, sunglasses, coins, purses. And I was like, he doesn't have a bad idea. Plumbing the depths for the treasure. And on the surface, it's the surface of water, and it could be murky, and you maybe can't see too far down, but the treasures are there to be had. And if you're seeking God, 
If, if that priority, your investment priority, is in the kingdom of God, good things are going to come from it. This more directly is speaking to, like he says, at the end of the age, the good things are going to be revealed and they're going to be kept. And the bad things are going to be revealed and they're going to be thrown away. And it's not just going to be a thrown away, it's going to be a, a, a casting out. But it is a little sad how this section of Scripture ends. It came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Listen to this, verse 57. Look at that. So they were offended at him. Jesus offering these people the kingdom of God because he was of a common family. Because he didn't seem, or his family didn't seem to be anything special, they had no regard for the words that he had to speak. And not only did they have no regard, they were offended at him. Now, I think that this is timely because it's incredible to me how easily people are getting offended these days. People can't say anything or do anything without somebody looking at them, judging what they do or say, and being offended by it. Can I remind you that Jesus said in the end times, when the end is near, the love of many is going to wax cold? Are we looking at other people around us and thinking, you know, in judgment, they should be doing this or that or or, or being offended by maybe, possibly, something that God wants to use to reveal something to ourselves. Jesus goes on to say, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, the emphasis on that verse isn't because he's spiting them. It's not Jesus is like, well, if you're not going to believe, then who cares about you? It's more of it was their unbelief that prohibited him from doing more things among them. And it's by our unbelief as well, I would say to you, that prohibits us from continuing to receive not only the good things of God, but, but the future good things of God. Remember, whatever he starts, whatever God begins, he is faithful to bring to completion. We are the ones that want to remove ourselves from time to time from that, or do remove ourselves from it. He's faithful to continue the work. He's faithful to bring it to completion. Now, with that said, I want to hone in on these three people while we close up. Number one, there was a man that found it. The man that found the treasure in, in the field. And he goes and he sells everything he has to be able to purchase the field. And we, we recognize that that was God pursuing us. And my question to you is, maybe you stumbled upon the good news of the gospel. 
Maybe you heard it through a friend, a family member, a colleague, a coworker, a podcast. What are you going to do with that information? What are you going to do with that thing that has such great value? Are you going to recognize that it has value? You're going to recognize the things that we talked about this morning and put it in place number four in your life? Place number three, or are you going to receive it like as God pursued you as a great treasure and put it as number one to see the return that it's going to have in your life? Not selfishly, but trusting and knowing that if God is in that place in your life, that he calls his disciples to have him, the return is going to be great. Number two, maybe you're the merchant seeking. You are a businessman. You're somebody who knows the valuation system. You've, you've, you've identified the things that, that have meaning, bring satisfaction. And you're looking for the, the main thing. You're searching for it. And, and this morning, or maybe recently, you've found it. The pearl of great price. Will it hold that value as you did in the eyes of God to be able to invest in it? Fully, forsaking everything else, picking up the cross to follow the path that God has set before you since the foundation of the earth was laid. And then I didn't touch very much on the third one, but the third one, it says that they drew ashore. It wasn't one guy that stumbled across the dragnet. It wasn't a merchant that was seeking. It was a ship, a group of people who were going out to plumb the depths and to bring up the treasure. And they together, you know, like the fishing shows or the, or the, the fishing boats that go out off the coast, all of those guys know that as they go out for their treasures, they go out for their spoils to bring in their, their loot, their, their fish, the crabs, whatever, each one of them is going to get a cut for it. And I like that for us, maybe not a direct correlation to this example, this parable in the scripture, but for us, we are in this together. And as we seek God together, we're all going to benefit together of the goodness of God and those things that have true value. And those things that don't are going to be tossed away. I hope that you do reconsider your valuation system in these days. I hope that you don't end up on the dark side of it's never going to be normal again. It's never going to be the same again. And I hope that you end up on the right side, the good side of it's never going to be the same again. It's never going to be normal again because of an expectation of the good things that God has for your future. And I'm not, I'm, I don't expect things to get any worse. I just expect things to get better. Even if it's at the table of our Lord, his kingdom come and his will be done, us proclaiming his death until his return. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word and you giving us this powerful word of the things that we value. And you've not only given us this in your word, but you've given us the time right now. You've given us the opportunity, even the availability for some of us 
to not only ask those questions, but come to conclusions, receive answers, and make decisions based on what we're investing in in our lives. Knowing what you first invested in and where you saw that value. We thank you, Father, for that pursuance of us. We thank you for giving us the capacity to respond to you and to seek you in turn. Bless my brothers and sisters, I pray this week, Father. Allow us to gather together in your name soon, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to receive the elements of communion. So um, if you want to turn with me in your Bible, go ahead and go get those ready right now if you don't already have them in front of you so we can receive the elements together. We may not be here physically, but we are here together in spirit. Now I know to a greater degree what Paul meant like that, what Paul meant by that. We are here unified together in spirit. Go ahead and take those elements. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body that's been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the bread together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, <clears throat> This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The new covenant, not the old covenant, not the covenant of the law, not the covenant of the requirements against you, the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ, that by faith you have been saved, by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Let's take of the cup in remembrance of him and his return. Father, we pray that you be glorified in our lives. We thank you for the ultimate price that you paid with your son, Jesus Christ giving up everything to buy us, to redeem us, to purchase us. And you also are in that number one position. You are the most important to us. We respond to you in love, knowing that you first loved us. We love you. We thank you and we bless your holy name. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I'm looking forward to seeing you. It's going to be so sweet. Amen.